Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. today and we're happy that that we've been able to make acquaintance with him and feel like that the Lord has done some good things this weekend. Happy to have Billy and Aaron and Olivia with us today. Amen. God bless you and if I get to name and names I'll probably get in trouble. I generally do but I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord and uh, we are we're thankful for the, the those that are here. Let's pray for our children's ministry today. They're having children's church in our annex, and so let's just ask God to plant something into their heart and their their lives, and I know that they will. Amen. I want you to join me, if you will, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7. Now, I don't, truly, I don't think I'm going to preach very long, but that statement's made a liar out of many a preacher. And uh, so I'm just going to try my best today to just obey the Lord. I don't have anything to prove, or I'm not on a mission but uh, I, I do want you to join me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. And um, for the, of course, as we generally do for the sake of time, we often just kind of dive right into a story. And um, so I, I'm going to do that today. And then I'll, I will try to, to bring us up to speed in that. But in, in our text, the book of 1 Samuel 7 and one, the Bible says, And the men of Kirth-Jeth-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord, and they brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirth-Jeth-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. You know, when we're reading the scripture, it's very, very easy to read so quickly and you just kind of pass over uh, something that may be very obvious. So for uh, uh, just a few moments today, I want to take these couple of verses and we'll add a few as we go here. And uh, I want to talk about the the importance of allowing the, the Lord to really change us, really change us, not superficially, not for the moment, not for the season, uh, but for the Lord to really bring about, help us to bring about true change in our spirit. Would you be consider, considerate of that word today and ask God to touch us? We love you today, Lord. Thank you for the privilege to be here. I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful congregation, and I ask you this morning to touch my heart and my lips and my mind and help us today to, to just journey carefully, Lord, through your word. I pray that we can just pluck some truths of this from, our, from this page and plant it into our heart, that we can make it a part of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. History, not only biblical history, but certainly history at large, shows that people have always had a propensity to drift back and forth 
in their relationship with God. I think as long and far back as you can find man, we find this drifting, this closeness to God, this distance to God. Closeness to God, distance from God. And there's always been times of spiritual decline and there's certainly history records times of spiritual renewal. But in this particular setting, we have a clear case where people have drifted from God, but they desire to come back to God. Amen. However, in this particular snapshot of scripture, something that must be pointed out is that while they wanted to come back to God, they don't come back the right way. Amen. This passage traces probably one of the bleakest times in the history of Israel. It is certainly dark outside. There's always been, always been signs that things weren't well in the hearts of God's people. And, and these signs really haven't changed with the passing of the ages. Man is man. You find man in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. And we find that same creature sitting here among us today. We haven't changed all that much. In this setting, we find that their worship had really become corrupt. It had even become immoral. People saw really no, question, no, no connection between uh, how they expressed their praise in the sanctuary and then how they lived their lives throughout the rest of the time. And we find that same culture in our world today. That while we are in the presence of the Lord, there seems to be a pressing toward him, a drawing, and we want to yield ourselves to that, unleash ourselves, untether ourselves from, from some things that we probably even know for sure is holding us back from becoming what God wants us to be. And yet we're not far removed often from that presence of God or that message or that song or whatever it may have been. It may be a service, it may be a series of services where something stirs our heart. In the state of Florida, we are blessed to have seven different camp meetings during the summer. And uh, that spans all ages uh, of uh, young men, young women, and then and our family camp and then our Spanish camp. And it's, it's a wonderful time. It's a very busy time. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and energy and a lot of finance to pull all of that off and bring it together. And in that climate of, of uh, from June all the way through July and then sometimes even into August, there is an atmosphere of recommitment and an atmosphere of renewal. And I'm not just talking about our young people, among our young people, but among all of us where because there's a center point we have come back to. And, and uh, I will tell you for absolute sure in camp meeting this year, I felt a compelling of the Lord many of the, in, in all of those services actually, but many times over in the course of that week where I felt God was drawing and pulling and, and the Lord was reaching and revealing. And, and it's very easy for us to get beyond those moments, get back into the real world, we call it, and in that real world, if we're not careful, there can be a disconnect between what we felt in that moment and then what we feel today. And so the real task at hand is for me and you to pray and say, Lord, I want to take this home with me. 
I want to take a souvenir home with me from this meeting, this service, or this moment. It may be a prayer meeting, a, a private prayer meeting where the Spirit of God begins to draw us a little bit closer to Him. I, I would trust it's in those moments that we become so transparent with God that we say what we need here today is I need you to help me to have the ability to experience some change, but true change, real change, not just where I've changed a little bit for a moment or the season, but I pray that we can come back fresh and renewed and something in our heart has just been realigned. As a matter of fact, when we think about this particular passage of scripture, when we think about uh, somebody expressing their views or their ideas toward God, but then changing that when it actually comes to real life. We find in 1 Samuel 2 and 12 that even the sons of Eli, this was not just an issue among the commoners, but this was an issue in the household of the priests that the sons of Eli had corrupted the worship of God. You can read that interesting, interestingly enough in that second chapter. In 1 Samuel 3 and 1, it states that the word of God was not being preached properly. I talked about that not long ago on a Wednesday night and how that the word of God was rare in that day. It was precious, the scripture says, but it was rare. It was uncommon for the, the Lord to be moving and uncommon for his voice to be heard and uncommon for visions to be shared. And so I think so many times how privileged we are to be alive in this day, in this hour. Amen. We have felt the very presence of God. Amen. From the very moment the very first prayer was made this morning, we felt just a genuine, unrestricted flow of the presence of God. I want to tell you something. That wasn't worked up. Amen. That wasn't something something that somebody tried to tickle our emotions and bring us. It wasn't the byproduct of guilt. It was nothing but the raw presence of the Lord. And I'm gonna tell you why the presence of the Lord was here at 10 o'clock. The reason the presence of the Lord was here at 10 o'clock is because this morning and yesterday and the day before and the day before somebody and somebody's in this house had been on their face before the Lord and we've been talking to the Lord about today's service before 9.15. Amen, because we know the power of God's anointing in our presence and that's what it's going to take because there's not enough talent, ability, or giftings among us to change the life of a sinner. Amen, we might could, we might could tickle the heart of someone. We might be able to brush up against the emotions of someone, but I'm gonna tell you that it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. Amen, you may, you may bring a tear to somebody's eye, but it'll be the anointing of God that destroys alcoholism. It'll be the anointing of God that destroys drug addiction. It'll be the the anointing of God that puts a family back together. It will be the anointing of God that brings, that brings wayward children back home both spiritually and naturally. And so I say, God, what we need in this hour is not another time, not another turn, not another date on the calendar for us to come play church. But what we need to do is walk through the doors and say, God, let some true change come into my heart. Amen. I want to walk in one way, but I am determined to walk back out a different way. Praise God. True change. True change. I said as recently as last Wednesday night that we should never underestimate what's going on when the word of God is being taught or when it's being preached. 
So irrespective of whether or not we hear the clapping of thunder or we feel the brush of angels' wings, amen, when the word of God is going forth, there's just a settling that's taking place in our spirit. Amen, there's something there. There's just something there. Maybe you can, uh, maybe this will make sense to some of you. I can remember seeing these many more longer ago than recently, but I can remember seeing some boxers would train or people that were boxing were training against, uh, pardon me for not having all the technical names of all this, but uh, they were, would have some sort of dummy, so to speak, and, and, you, and you could hit that, but it was weighted in the bottom. And so no matter how many times you knocked it down, it would, it would come back up and you could hit it again. And I will tell you that what the reason for that in that particular instance is because it was weighted in the bottom. There was something there that caused it to stand back up no matter how many times it had been hit. And so when we come to the house of God and just hear me today, there's been a wonderful presence of the Lord. God has been mar- marvelously and mightily moving in this place, but I've been here when it was quiet as crickets. No pun intended. So irrespective of whether or not the house is filled with amens when the preacher is preaching or teaching, regardless of whether or not people are just being moved and shaken while we're singing the songs of Zion that are filled with the word of God and its wonderful truths. I'll tell you what's happening. Amen, I don't know if this is a good illustration or not, but it's just like digging a hole in the ground and putting a fence post in it. The right thing to do would be to tamp that dirt around that post and go ahead and solidify it right then. But I'm gonna tell you, if you just push a little bit of dirt around it, amen, you just leave it alone in time. A few little rains here and there, amen, a rain here and there is gonna settle that. It's going to settle that. And after a while, it's going to be locked in there. And as a matter of fact, that's probably going to do more to lock it than anything we could do with our hand. And what happens when we come into the house of God and we avail ourselves to the word of God. Amen. It's the water and the rain. It is the shower of God's word that touches our heart. We may not feel a big something in our soul when we get up and walk out, but I'll promise you that that will cause you to stand back up when you've been knocked down has just been so solidified a little bit more. Don't ever underestimate the preached word of God. Don't ever underestimate the preached word of God because the word solidifies our walk with him. In our text, the tabernacle has been dismantled this season in history. The tabernacle has been dismantled. The ark has been removed from its proper place. This all seems to be shocking But more shocking is the fact that the scripture says that that this has been going on for 20 years. The ark has been taken. We can read across that so fast we think somebody stole it last night. And now at noon today we're trying to figure out what to do. But the Bible says that this had been going on for 20 years. Amen. 20 long years. Can you imagine coming to, to the house of God? We don't have the ark of God, but the ark of the covenant represented the anointing of God. I'm going to tell you something. I get nervous when we show up and I don't feel the anointing of God. I don't think it would take me 20 years to start trying to find out what we got to do around here. Amen. We're going to have to call a fast. We're going to have to call a time of prayer. We're going to have to do something because we got to have the anointing of God. Amen. But you see, when when the word of God, when the power, the anointing of God,
God rather, begins to decline without the anointing of God. It's the anointing, what we can't see today with our natural eyes. It's what's keeping everything on the rails this morning. Amen. Josh, I'm not trying to offend you, but what's keeping everything on the rails this morning was not Josh's ability to play the drums and just keep us all in rhythm. Amen. What's keeping us in rhythm and what's keeping everything on the rails today is the anointing of God. That's what's keeping everything true. That's what's keeping everything pure. And that's what's keeping everything right. But when the anointing of the Lord begins to lift and it requires more of man's efforts and it requires more of humanity, and it requires more of our own talent and our own, uh, our own ability. Our worship gets out of balance. Uh, the word gets out of balance. The church gets off kilter. And so I say, Lord, if we're gonna pray for anything, help something come in my life, Lord, that can change me, that can change me in a true way, that I can line up with your word and stay in flow with the anointing of the Spirit of God. Amen. When our worship gets out of kilter, we have created an atmosphere where anything can happen. If we look at 1 Samuel 7 and 3, the Bible says, Samuel spake unto the house of all the house of Israel, saying, here's the remedy. If you do return unto the Lord with all your heart, put away strange God, gods and, and Ashtaroth among, from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. I think there's some important phrases in that scripture, phrases that says that we have got to return to the Lord, and we've got to put away strange gods, and we've got to prepare our hearts unto the Lord, and we've got to serve him. There's four things that's right there in that passage of scripture. We've got to return. We've got to clean out. Amen. Put away strange gods. We've got to prepare our heart and then we've got to serve him only. More specifically, the first two phrases are to return and put away because you cannot have one without the other. Amen. There is such power in the love for the word of God. Amen. Such a deep appreciation for true worship. Amen. True worship brings everything into focus. That anointing of God that brings it all about. You see, we don't open our services with praise and worship just because that's the culture of how we do it and that's how we, you know, we just found this is what works best. Amen. But there is something, there's a method to the madness. Because in our worship, the anointing of the Lord begins to move and, and that begins to set the stage. Amen. How many of you have ever heard this? Amen. Whenever somebody is about to preach and now for the most important part of the service. That is not to sweep everybody else under the rug. That is not to say that was just of no consequence. That is not to insinuate that they wasted their time and all they were doing was just superficial or superficially entertaining us. But what they were helping us to do in our worship is to create an atmosphere where our hearts are prepared for the word of God. And I say, Lord, today speak to our heart. Amen. I say, Lord, speak to me. Hallelujah. Don't just speak to my neighbor don't just speak to us in general but I'm asking you to talk to me Lord today talk to me it's a dangerous thing not to be a person of, of, of true worship frequently amen and that's what you see in this passage the ark is gone the tabernacles dismantled the word is forgotten and I'm going to tell you that when you remove the word of God from the house of God people find something else to fall in love with 
because we're creatures of love and we're going to fall in love with something. So if you just remove the right thing to fall in love with, people would just fall in love with the wrong thing because we're in search of something to connect our wagon to, so to speak. And so after a while, we just connect ourselves to the wrong thing and the Spirit of God is not even missed. I want to tell you that church is not entertainment. Amen. This is not the stage and, and, and you are not ticket holders who are just sitting back there to just listen and to the song and critique whether or not everybody was on pitch and on key and on cue and, and to critique whether or not the, the, the preacher or the speaker was on mark. Amen. I'm going to tell you that we are, we are all the choir and heaven Heaven is our audience today. We haven't come to be entertained, but we have come to entertain. We haven't come today to just let our needs be met, but we have come into the house of the Lord to say, God, we need to lift our voices and we need to lift our voices loud. Amen. There needs to be a sense of continuity among what we're doing. I pray that we would miss God if he wasn't in this house. Isn't it amazing? Uh, isn't it amazing when just one person in your home is missing how it changes the climate of things? My wife and I just had one child, and so when Justin would be off away from the house or maybe spend the night with a friend, it was just amazing how quiet that the house would be. But, and I'm not implying that he's just a, a rabble rouser. I'm not implying that at all. And then I think sometimes when my wife is away in the house, I just think now, just has been gone a little while. Thank you, Sarah. Amen. Just has been gone a little while. And, uh, and, and so it's just my wife and I, and we are both fairly quiet by nature. And, 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 and she can just be gone for a little while. And especially if she's gone overnight, I just think how quiet it is. You miss somebody when they're not there. And to think that we would not miss God if he wasn't here. That we, could, that we could just create another appetite outside of the presence of God and say, well, you know, the Lord's not here, so let's just get intoxicated on our own singing. Let's get intoxicated on our own program because I just want to reiterate, and I just feel like the Lord would have me say it again, that if we lose, if God falls out of this house, amen, we're going to still keep coming. The danger is we're just going to fall in love with something else. We're going to replace God with something else. And so I say, Lord, help us to know what's real. Help us to know what's right. And I'm going to tell you the best way to know what's real is leave the faults alone. Amen. You just hold on always to what's real and the first time something that's not real comes in your hand, you're going to say, hey, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here and if we create a culture of real the first time we walk in and that that's real is not here, we're going to say, wait just a minute. We got to lean in just a little while. There have been times I've been preaching and I'm going to preach, trying to preach and you just feel that resistance. It hasn't happened many times through the years but there have have been times I said we're going to stop right here and we're going to pray amen why because the forces of hell are pushing against us and we're just going to stop we're not going to ignore this we're not going to take this we're not going to sit down we're not going to pretend this is not happening but we're going to stand and raise our voices amen why because we need that that's real among us because that is what's going to keep us on track praise God amen the ark is gone God's not missed. It would, seem, it would seem so obvious that we need that. It would seem so obvious that we need that. 
But you see, there is an inherent danger of getting too comfortable with the status quo. An inherent danger. And it can happen to us as individuals. But if I may be so bold to, take, to say today, it could happen to entire congregations. Or we just get content. It's just us. What difference does it make? Amen. It's just us. It's just us. Amen. So in our text, they've been doing this for 20 years. So here's the point. That people and churches can come, can all come to that point at some time or another. It's possible. And then, and then life or circumstances or some situation may shock us back into reality. Now, I'm speaking sort of in extremes, but I think on some measure this happens more often than we would like to think. That we've kind of all just drifting. And then all of a sudden something kind of wakes us up. And we realize, hey, I, I got to stay sober here. I got to stay awake here. I got to get back involved. And, and like Israel, the Bible says they were lamenting after the Lord. Now, this is... This is the part of the message I think that we really should heed is that they had been lamenting after the Lord to no avail because they left out two very important things that should have come first. Samuel says you got to put away some things. If you're serious about following the Lord, then you got to make room for him because God is not going to receive worship from a divided heart. God wants purity of heart. And purity of heart, I'm not just talking about moral purity. Obviously, we're talking about moral purity, but not just that because it means a heart that's, not, that's undiluted by other passions or other affections. Most of us know that in our heart, and the people of Israel knew that as well, and they heard words like, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. They heard that. Amen. But in truth, the real issue today that we face is no different than what they faced, and that is that our hearts sometimes are overcrowded. There's just so many things going on. Often we are physically here at church, but our heart and our minds are somewhere else. And if we were to ask today, in the course of this service, multiple times our mind has drifted far beyond the confines of this building into the things that are waiting us this afternoon or tomorrow or whatever. Amen. But we need to return to the Lord. We need to return. Amen. Shallow spirituality. Amen. Some people are just happy, content down in the shallows. But I want, I want to hear the voice of the Lord that says, Draw me out if you'll come out further. The man with a line in his hand, he went out a third of a mile. Amen. And the Bible says he was in waters to his ankles. And the Lord didn't leave him there, but he said, stretch the line again. And he went out again, waters again. Now it's getting deeper. It's, this is feeling better. But he said, stretch it again and go again. And now here we are. It was water to the waist, here it is. And you would think that would be enough. And the, and the Lord said, stretch it again, stretch it again. And he said, when I stretch it again, it was waters to swim in. Amen. Those, those measurements are not in 
our measurements today, but those measurements are each about a third of a mile. And so after he got out there about a mile, he said, here is waters to swim in. And I believe that that is another reason why the Lord said, if a man compel you to go with him one mile, go with him twain. Amen. Don't just get out there a little bit, but get out there in some waters that you can swim in. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians, if they will, to come. I believe that worship is a beautiful thing. But if we think God is satisfied alone with just that, we're wrong. Because our worship must be pure and our worship must come from the heart of a servant. There's something important that I want to underline again in 1 Samuel 7, 3. The Bible says, prepare your hearts unto the Lord. You see, there's a difference in in preparing for something versus just merely wanting something. You can want something, but if you never prepare for it, it's probably not going to come to pass. I've confessed this many times over the years, and I'm more serious than I think some people take me. But there is a portion of me that has always wanted to play the piano. The problem is that I never prepared. But I can remember going to visiting my aunt, my cousin, and it, it didn't matter how much fun we were having. My aunt would say, uh, it's a practice time. Practice time. Oh, mom. Oh, come on. I mean, you can imagine that cramp, how much that would cramp the style of two young boys. And there it was, practice time. So today, as grown men, one of us is an accomplished pianist. The other one of us is still longingly looking. Because you can't want something into existence. You've got to prepare for it. You've got to prepare for it. I think Sister Amanda probably covered that well on the people that wanted the jet ski. They just didn't quite prepare for it. And what a big chasm there is between the two. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. Praise God. So the Lord said through Samuel, prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. And here's what will happen. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. I think the treasure here for those who are willing to embrace it is found when we realize that we got to prepare our heart. we got to ask God to really change us. I mean, we have some of our youth in here today, and so I will speak to them, but I'm not going to just single them out alone because we're all here. But if you want God to do something in your life, I want you young ladies to look at me. If you want God to really do something in your life, you got to pray for true change. 
Not momentarily, temporary change. Not change while we're together. Amen. I want all you adults to look at me because I don't want them to think I'm picking on them. Because I want them to come back Wednesday night. But if you want change in your life, you got to feel what you're feeling now, tomorrow. Tuesday. I got to get this in my heart. True change, real change. You see, he said you need to serve the Lord. And there's just something about serving the Lord. That's what breaks the back of the enemy. Amen. I, I don't mean to just talk about my family today, but, but I had another aunt that told another nephew of mine that kind of struggled living for the Lord. She was rather plain spoken. And all, about all my aunts were pretty plain. <laughs> now that I think about it, rather plain spoken. And she looked at him and not trying to cut his legs out from under him, not trying to offend him. But every now and then somebody needs to speak a clear word. And she said, your problem is you want to praise the Lord, but you don't want to serve the Lord. <laughs> wow. Your problem is you want to praise the Lord, but you don't want to serve the Lord. And you see, it's the serving. That's what breaks the back of the enemy. Serving. Amen. Because if you're not serving, you're vulnerable. But when you're serving, your, your shoulder is to the plow of purpose and you know what you're doing. And I will tell you that what really brings true change is true repentance. When they repented, they did something about it. And here's what the scripture says. In verse number six, they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water. This seems a little odd, but follow me here. They gathered together to Mizpah and they drew water and they poured it out before the Lord. They drew water and then poured the water out on the ground. There's only one other reference to that in Scripture. But I think the symbolic message that is found in this drawing something and pouring out this drawing of the water and pouring out water is that I'm going to give the Lord something that I can't take back because you can't take back poured out water I'm going to draw this this is a symbol this was no accident they didn't drop the pail this was no accident but very intentionally they drew the water and now we're going to pour it back out into the earth from which it came because I want you to know Lord I'm going to make some commitments I'm drawing something and I'm going to pour it out and it's something I can't gather back up. I can't change my mind in the morning at school time. I can't change my mind in the morning when I get ready to punch into the office. I can't change my mind when I'm around my peers. I, I poured it out and I can't gather it back up. And I believe God is asking that of us today that we would pour it out, pour it out. Amen, pour it out unto the Lord. And then the scripture says that Samuel took a stone and he built an altar. And I think there's significance in this poured out water and this altar made of stone. Amen. It's water that we can't gather up, but this is also a monument that won't blow away. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to build some things in my life because I need to be truly changed. And I'm going to tell you what every person you work with, what every, every person that I deal with or you deal with, 
every person that you young folks go to school with, what they really deserve is somebody that's true. True. We can't see it now. You can't see it when you're in the throes of criticism. You can't see it when the fingers are pointing. You can't see it when the murmuring. But I'm going to tell you somewhere down the road, somebody's going to put their arm around you and say, thank you. Thank you for being true. Thank you for being steadfast. Thank you for not wavering in your commitment. Thank you for your convictions. God, help us to be changed. Amen. Can we lift our hands, our voices? Amen. Let this song today, amen, let this song seal the deal for us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.